Hey, Crosspoint, you know, I don't know about you, but I have been loving this Storyteller series. It has been incredible so far to see the way that the, that the parables of Jesus, um, see the way those stories that he told um, gives us the wisdom of God and applies to our lives today. And there are these timeless spiritual truths that are tucked away in these stories. And um, Jesus was a masterful storyteller. And you know, we've had some gifted communicators that have been with us and, uh, and we've got one that we're gonna hear from today. We've got our good friend, Jeff Henderson, who's with us. Jeff lives outside Atlanta with his wife, Wendy, and they have two adult children. Jeff has a real heart for developing leaders, both inside the church and in the marketplace. Uh, he's a pastor, an author, a leadership coach, and he serves um, our church as part of our teaching team. And I love Jeff's teaching and his wisdom, and I'm grateful for the way that he loves this church. You know, there's this verse in Acts chapter 11, verse 24, gives this description of Barnabas. It says, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord through him. And that's Jeff. Um, God has used him and continues to use him to help introduce people to Jesus and help people take their next step in faith. And I believe that God is going to do that today, and he has a word for you. And so let's lean in together and let's welcome our friend Jeff Henderson to Crosspoint today. It's so good to see you again. Um, I love being home here at Crosspoint. Thank you for letting me be here. By the way, um, my 21-year-old son Cole is with me. Can y'all give it up for Cole over there? So I'm so excited he's, he's here. And so I have a specific uh, prayer request uh, for us today. That's, I've been praying for you. And uh, I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna dive in. But um, I've been praying that in our time together, the Lord would nudge you on a particular area in your life that he wants to illuminate, encourage you, improve you, change you, move you closer to the person he's calling you to be. And we're gonna look at a parable today that Jesus actually teaches us how to do that. I don't know if you've been tracking in the podcast, but I love how Dixon Campus Pastor James Savage says that a, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And this earthly story with a heavenly meaning, I want my hope and prayer for you is that it's gonna connect with you today, but in a specific way, in a specific area that maybe there's an area in your life that you've given up on. My hope today is that God would encourage you, embolden you to move you closer to who he's calling you and me to be. So if it's okay, let me pray for us and then we're gonna dive in, okay? So Father, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this church. Thank you for all of our campuses. Thank you for God behind bars. And I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, will you help me in this moment, just get me out of the way and let your word and your presence and your spirit and your power do what you can do. So bless this moment. Bless me, but get me out of the way and preach to your sons and your daughters. And in that particular area that maybe you wanna lift up to them today, that you would encourage and embolden them and that we would all walk, wake, walk away today going, wow, we met with Jesus today and I'm encouraged about what he's doing in my life. So we pray this Jesus in your name, amen. So have you ever wondered why it is so hard to make a change in your life? Why is it so hard to create a positive change in your life? Why, why is that so hard? And if you're like, Jeff, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I can describe what I'm talking about in three words. And these three words to me um, describes how hard it is to make a diff bring a change and how difficult it is to bring a change in our lives. And those three words are New Year's resolutions. 
Remember those, right? And I'm not trying to guilt anyone today. I'm with you, but we're we're at the halfway part of the year. And and some of us, like we made New Year's resolutions and maybe not this year, but maybe you've been there and I'm not gonna do this, so don't raise your hand. But if I ask everyone at all of our campuses to raise your hands, anybody has ever made a New Year's resolution? I bet maybe every hand would go up. And then I would ask, how many of us have broken that New Year's resolution in January, the first week, the first day at three o'clock, right? So, so it's, just, it's just hard to bring about a change in your life. And do you know why it's hard changing your life? Because it's hard changing your life. I didn't see anyone write that down. Okay, so it's, it's hard changing your life. In fact, l- let me just pick on me, for example. So let's say that, and this is true, I'll come into a week and go, you know what? I'm gonna eat better this week than I did last week. I'm gonna eat better this week than I did last week. So you know what I'm gonna do this week? I'm gonna crush me some kale. I'm gonna crush me some kale this week. So I'm gonna put some kale in my protein shake in the morning. Then I'm gonna have a kale salad for lunch. Then at dinner, I'm gonna have some kale, right? And on Monday, if you were to hang out with me, this is easy. But then on Wednesday, if you and I go to lunch, right? And the waitress or waiter comes over and said, and you look at me and you go, you gonna order kale? By Wednesday, I'm going, kale, no. I don't want any more kale. Are you kidding me? I'm done with kale. And guess what has happened in that moment? I have reached about the length of my energy. I've reached about the length of my strength. And then I, I quickly, and I bet I won't run out of my strength a lot quicker than you do. But at some point in any area of my life, I kind of run out of my strength. And the reason it's hard changing your life is that we have a limit on the amount of strength and discipline that we have. Now, you might be a rare exception, but for the most of us, at some point, we reach a limit. Now, do you know who also knows how hard it is to make a change in your life and my life? Advertisers and marketers. And I'm not being critical, I'm an advertiser and marketer. I've spent a number of years in my business career there. And so here's the word that a lot of marketers and advertising slogans and campaigns use to try to connect to that desire that you and I have to change our lives. And that word that they use is the word easy. It's easy. Oh, look, our health plan, you can eat all you want and still lose weight. It's that easy. Oh, you, you've maxed out your credit cards and you wanna buy our product? That's okay. Sign up for our credit card. And so the process here or the premise here or the campaign here is, hey, look, you can make a change in your life. It's really easy. And the reason is, is that a lot of people wanna buy into this myth that we live in a microwave society that if you wanna make a change, powerful, positive, lasting change, that all you gotta do is just put that change in the microwave, set it for about 30 seconds, and voila, you will have change in your life. But I've got some really bad news for us today, Crosspoint. I got some good news and bad news, so let me give you the bad news. I don't think this is true. I don't think for lasting change in that particular area, it's gonna take 30 seconds and you can figure it out like that. Maybe you're the exception and maybe there are exceptions to this rule. By the way, God can do whatever God wants to do. But making a change in your life isn't easy. That's the bad news. The good news is making a change in your life is simple. There is a process and Jesus, what we're gonna see today, Jesus wants to help. 
I don't think making a change is like a microwave. I think making a change is like a crock pot. You ever had food in a crock pot before? Here's the truth about a crock pot. It takes longer. It simmers there for a while. You don't pop this thing for 30 seconds and nuke it. No, you add to it. It seasons, it simmers, but it just generally tastes better here than over there. So the, good, the bad news is change isn't easy. The good news is, is that change is simple. There's a process and Jesus wants to help. And he shared with us a parable about how to do that. So if there's an area in your life that maybe you've given up on, you've tried this and you've tried that, I wanna encourage you to lean in today to this parable because there's an invitation from Jesus and there's a process that Jesus invites you to to understand how to create lasting change. Now, um, to illustrate again how hard this is, I wanna show you a picture that I think illustrates what happens when we try to make a change in our lives. We're trying to climb to a new level. We're trying to, be, to, to grow to a greater potential. In fact, kudos to you for being here today. Kudos to all of everyone at our campuses because here's what I know about you being here. You could be anywhere today. You could be listening to anything else, but there's something in you that says, you know what? I wanna get closer to God. And one of the reasons I wanna get closer to God is I wanna grow closer to my potential. There's a stewardship in you, which is awesome, that says, I feel like there's something in me that I wanna give to my community, my church, my world. That's awesome. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to get to a new level in your life. But when you do that, it's difficult. So a couple of years ago, I ran across a picture, literally on a walk, and I thought, that's exactly what it looks like when you're trying to make a change. This is a picture that I came across of. You ever been here before? I don't know if you can see this, but there's a curb. And a, I didn't Google this, by the way. I, fa- I was on a walk and came across this turtle. And from what I could tell, this turtle was trying to climb to a new level in turtle world. And at some point, he fell over backwards. Now, I'll give you a little backstory on this. So two and a half years ago, my wife, Wendy, and I decided that we were gonna go into a new season in our career. We were empty nesters. Cole had, had left to go to college. His older sister was living in Birmingham and, and we were getting more and more opportunities to, to influence more churches and more businesses. So we kind of launched our own business in the middle of a global pandemic. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but we did it. And, and I had this opportunity that I thought was gonna be my first big opportunity in this new season, got a phone call and, just, and was informed that the opportunity wasn't gonna happen. And I told Wendy, I said, I just gotta go on a walk because I'm trying to climb to this new level and it's not early working out. So I came across this turtle and I bent down and I had a conversation with this turtle. I don't know if you've ever talked to a turtle before. They are highly introverted. Um, and so there wasn't a lot, it was kind of a one-way dialogue. Um, but but I, I just looked at him and I said, buddy, I know exactly how you feel. I'm trying to climb to a new level and I feel like I'm on my back. I've tried this. Cross point, if you've given up because you tried something over here, there is a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning that is an invitation to create, to allow Jesus to create powerful, positive, lasting change in your life in particular, an area that you may have given up on walking in here today. So when you come to a parable, you need to do three things. You need to ask three questions. Where's God in this story? 
Where are you and me in this story? And what is God trying to teach me in this story? And if you haven't heard the podcast or the last few ser series sermons on this, you need to go listen to them. Amazing. So what I wanna do is I wanna share with you the three locations that this story shows up in the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. These are called the synoptic gospels. It doesn't show up in John. The reason Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels is because they're written in pretty much the same sequence. John kind of has his own writing style. And in, in these three gospels of the life of Jesus, they share this story. Now, what's interesting about the story is that Matthew and Mark have a different setting than Luke. Matthew and Mark have Jesus teaching this on a boat in front of a lot of people, which is smart. That boat allows his voice to project off the water. But then Luke, as far as we can tell, has Jesus telling this story in a synagogue. Well, why the discrepancy? Here's why. Jesus, don't miss this, was a traveling speaker. He would go around and he would tell different stories. But Apparently, Jesus felt like this story that I'm about to read to you was so important that he told it in multiple locations. For example, I, this is what I do for a living. I go around and speak primarily to businesses. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in um, Connecticut, Florida, and South Dakota. Three different businesses, but I told pretty much the same stories. Different audience, but same stories because I wanted them to understand the point of the story. Jesus knows something about you and me. He knows that you and me wanna make a change in our lives. We wanna to grow to that higher potential. We wanna be a good steward of what he's given us. And he knows that some of us maybe have given up on that particular area. So this small little parable is so powerful that I wanna read every location of it where it shows up in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So again, as I read each of these, I want you to be asking this question, where's God in this story? Where am I in this story? And what is God trying to teach me about creating change in my life through this story. So here is Matthew. Matthew chapter 13, he said this. He, being Jesus, told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest, we'll see this in just a second, of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. So that's Matthew's account of this story, okay? Where's God in this story? Where are you in this story? And what is God trying to teach you about this story? So here's Mark's account, very similar, but a little nuanced, a little different word here. But again, I want you to see Mark's account. Where's God? Where are you? What is God trying to teach me? Mark says this, again, he, Jesus said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. Where's God in the story? Where are you in the story? What is God trying to teach you in the story? I'm telling you, there's a process. There's an invitation here that Jesus is saying, I want you to be hopeful. I want you to understand that I can help create that change in your life. That's why this simple story is so powerful. Different setting, different crowd perhaps, but here's Luke's account. Luke says this, then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew 
and became a tree and the birds of the air perched in its branches. So what I wanna do is I wanna go back to Matthew and go back to these three questions. Where's God? Where are you? And what is God trying to teach us in this story as it particularly relates about bringing a change in that area? So this is what Matthews wrote. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. I think we would say, I think we would you know, agree that the man represents God. God is a farmer. Jesus is telling this farming story. It was an agricultural economy. There, he's, this is within the context of Jesus telling another parable about a farmer throwing seed onto the ground. So the man represents God. Okay, so that's where God is. Where are you in this verse? Well, here's where I think you and I are. You could say the mustard seed, but I actually think you and I are represented by the field. Why would I say that? The field, think of it this way, the field is a platform and the platform is something that can help grow. It could grow an apple tree. It could grow a mustard tree. It could grow, you know, whatever. But that field represents your life and you have a field with a lot of potential. You are growing something financially right now. You're growing a career right now. You're growing a relationship right now. You're growing something in your health right now. That, that field is a platform and your life is a platform. In fact, Jesus said, it is to the Father's glory that your life bears much fruit. So your life, you are represented by this platform of a field. And when people walk up to your life, it is God's hope that they would look at you and none of us are perfect, but they would see growth in our lives and they would go, wow, what is it about you? There's a peace, there's a joy, there's something happening with you. And you would say, it's not me, it's Jesus in me. That field is the platform. Well, if the field is you and me, if the land is you and me, what is the mustard seed? I thought I was the mustard seed. If we're not the mustard seed, who is the mustard seed? And this is why this story, in my humble opinion, one of the many reasons is so powerful. Because unlike a lot of parables, God shows up, in my opinion, not once, but twice. Because the mustard seed represents the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is planted into your life, into the field of your life, the kingdom of God begins to grow in your heart and to your soul, and you glorify your Father in heaven. This is how the Apostle Paul wrote it in Ephesians chapter one. He said, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth about Jesus, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. In other words, you were plant, the Holy Spirit was planted in you who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is why this cross point, this is... If, you need to tune in if you've tuned out. This is why this is such a huge invitation. Paul says in Romans chapter eight, verse 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And if you're, if, if we, that, I mean, that's such a huge, huge concept. We gotta go to another verse just to try to get our minds around it. This is what he says in Ephesians. Ephesians said, I also pray that you will understand. In fact, I think Paul is saying, I know this is, this is hard to understand. This is incredible. But I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. In other words, he's saying, the same spirit of God that brought Jesus from the dead lives 
in you. If that's true, and I believe it is, here's the question. How do we access the power of the Holy Spirit in order to bring about that change that you and I are wanting in our lives? Well, what I wanna do is I wanna give you a prayer and I wanna give you a position. A prayer to pray and a position to place your life under. There's a prayer and a process. There's a prayer and a process. There's a prayer and a process. I wish this worked. It was a 30 second process. I don't think this works. But what I've discovered over time is if you will consistently pray this prayer that I'm, we're, we're gonna practice this before we leave today and we will position ourselves in a way that over time, like this crock pot, the things in our lives will begin to change. Even that area that maybe you've given up on. So we have to ask for the Holy Spirit's help and then we have to position ourselves to receive his help. And so here's the prayer I wanna give you. And I know this may be a bold claim, but I hope that you take this prayer and you begin to pray it for the rest of your life, most days. Because if you do, it's an invitation for God to begin to help you with that one particular area that might be on your mind right now. And the prayer is simply this, Holy Spirit, will you help me? Holy Spirit, will you help me? Holy Spirit, it's Wednesday at lunch and I don't wanna eat kale. Will you help me? Will you help me? This is a prayer of vulnerability. This is a prayer of humility. This takes the, the Christian posturing out of the way and saying, Lord, you and I know, I got some areas in my life that I, gotta, I need your help in. Will you help me. This is why Paul wrote in Romans 8, 26. This is really good, 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Do you have some weaknesses in your life right now? I sure hope you're saying yes. Because if you're saying no, you are delusional with all due respect. In fact, if you have no weaknesses today, and you're perfect, and you're gonna say, Jeff, I got no weaknesses. Honestly, I don't really need the Holy Spirit's help. I'm perfect. Hey, okay, cool, congratulations. You don't have to come back next Sunday, okay? You, you don't have to come back next Sunday. You have nothing to work on. But before you do, I would encourage you to ask three people, do you think I'm perfect? Particularly the people that you do life with, listen to what they have to say, and we'll see you next Sunday for part five of Storytellers, okay? So weaknesses, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's like, hey, Holy Spirit, this is an area in my life. I, I just can't get traction. Can, can you help me? But then once we say that prayer, we have to understand that there's a responsibility that we have. And the responsibility we have is, this is a mentor gave me this years ago. He said, Jeff, are you giving something, are you giving the Lord something to bless and grow? Are you giving the Lord something to bless and grow? What did he mean by that? Well, he meant, for example, let me finances is just a really easy example. You know, God, will you bless me financially? You know, bless me financially. You know, that'd be awesome, Lord. And yet I'm being really irresponsible with my spending habits and how I'm doing. I'm not giving the Lord anything to bless and grow because it's flowing from the top line and just flowing out the door. So he was challenging me. Are you giving the Lord something to bless and grow? Holy Spirit, will you help me? 
here's what I'm trying to do with the best of my ability. I'm trying to give you something to bless and grow. If you don't show up, none of this works, but I'm gonna try to position myself in order to receive your blessing. There is a prayer, Holy Spirit, will you help me? And there is a process, a planting, farming process, if you will. Or to use our analogy, a crock pot simmering. You, you don't put something in the crock pot and eat it 30 seconds later. You stay with it, it simmers and it grows slowly over time. So if the prayer is, Holy Spirit, will you help me? What is the process? Well, the process is revealed in this powerful parable. The mustard seed has a three-step growth process. And this is the three-step growth process that the mustard seed has. Starting, planting, and growing. Starting, planting, and growing. Now, you can't see this right now. I mean, I tried to, we've got some mustard seeds on this little table. They're so small, you can't even see them. But this is the starting point of a mustard seed tree. So what I wanna do is I wanna re-engineer this process. Starting, planting, growing. I wanna go with growth and go back to starting. Because in each one of these sections, I wanna give you a couple of questions. And these questions I think are gonna help you understand how to abide with the Holy Spirit in the life change process. But let me pause and say this. This isn't just true for you as individuals. If you're a business leader, organizational leader, I'm telling you, you should take this, make it your own and give it a, make it a staff meeting. If you're trying to grow your business, what we're learning, who we're learning from today, in my humble opinion, Jesus is the greatest leader who has ever lived and he revolutionized the world through this process, starting, planting, growing. He grew the largest movement the world has and ever will see. But there's something we can learn for our businesses, our lives, our communities, and the organizations that we serve, starting, planting, growing. So when it comes to growth, there are two questions that we have to ask in the growth process. The first one is, what do you wanna grow? What's that one area that you want to grow? And, and, the, and the, the vision verse is a very famous vision verse here in Proverbs 29, 18. When there's no vision, the people perish. What I mean in this particular case is that if you don't have a vision for this particular area, whether it's finances, a career, a relationship, whatever it may be, when you don't have that vision, that area of your life begins to perish because you've given up. What do you want to grow in that area? And if there is an area that you've given up on, maybe one of the reasons you're here today is your heavenly father, your savior and the Holy Spirit wants to go, no, 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 no. With me, anything is possible. What do you wanna grow? Second question is simply this, what are you growing? What are you growing? Again, if I were to tell you, I wanna grow financially, financially debt-free, but over here, I am not, my, my spending habits aren't doing that, then that's inconsistent with my vision. The reality doesn't match up with my vision. I'll give you an example. Um, Wendy and I got married 26 years ago, and I got married a little later in life and she's eight years younger than me. So I had to wait for her to get old enough before I, so I didn't get arrested. And so, um, so when she, she, you know, it was 22, we got married. 
So I, I was single for a while. And so I, I just, you know, I love basketball. So I would go to work and go play basketball. And I was playing in two basketball leagues when we got married. So we get married, go to a honeymoon, come home, no, no lie. We walk into an, our apartment and um, the phone rings and it's one of my best friends, Ricky. And I said, hey man, what are, what are you doing? He said, hey, we're, we're starting a new basketball league on Thursday, mind you, I'm already playing in two basketball leagues. And uh, he goes, Thursday night, uh, eight o'clock, can you do it? Absolutely. So I hung up the phone, I turned it, and Wendy said, who was that? I said, uh, that, was, that was Rick. And she said, what, what do you want? I, I'm, he wanted me to play in a basketball league. She goes, are you gonna do it? And suddenly I had this thought, I'm married now. I called Rick back and said, I can't play in the basketball league. All right, and in defense of Wendy, I was already playing in two basketball leagues, okay? So I had to get to the point of this. You know what? In this season of life, I don't need to grow my basketball career. It's not going anywhere. What I need to do is a week in my marriage, I need to grow my marriage. So I had to call my friend Rick back and say, can't play basketball. I've got to grow my marriage. Let me give you a business. This is the best business question I've ever heard. And it's talking about business growth, but it applies to anything in life. This is from my former boss, David Salyers. I worked in marketing at Chick-fil-A. He's brilliant. He would go and meet with Chick-fil-A operators in their restaurants. We would sit down with them and he would ask them this question. It was so brilliant. I'm telling you, if you're in business, you need to write this down. You need to tell your staff. I was just, I came up with a question this week. I want to share with you. And here's the question. The question is this, what did you do today to grow your business? Here's why this is so important. The word today. It's not, hey, what did you do last week to grow your business? That's important. That's not the question. What are you gonna do three months from now to grow your business? That's important. That's not the question. What did you do today to grow that area? Or as my mentor would say, Jeff, what did you do today to give God something to bless and grow? And if I'm not doing that, I'm not abiding in the mustard seed parable. But when I say, Lord, I can't do this without you. Holy Spirit, will you help me? But I want you to know to the best of my ability, I am trying to give you each day something to bless and grow. It starts to simmer in the crock pot of your soul. That's how this works. That's growing. Planting actually is maybe even more important than growing. And here's why. Paul writes in Galatians, really important principle here. If you're a student, if you're a teenager, I'm telling you, this is a gift from God to you, this verse. Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. The more famous saying of this is, a man reaps what he sows. So the question here is, hey, what are you planting? What are you planting? Are you planting things that six months from now are gonna be healthy by God's grace and power? Or are you planting seeds of unhealth? This is why, I mean, I'm 58 years old. I'm halfway dead. This is why I I have so much respect for teenagers today. You know why I have so much respect for teenagers today? It's because when I wasn't invited to a party in high school, I didn't know about it until three months from now. They know about it three minutes from now. The temptations and the challenges, not trying to sound like I'm archaic, 
I'm not against technology, but the challenges that you as teenagers have, you have my immense respect. God bless you. But where are you planting yourself? Where are you planting yourself? What are you planting right now? It's a friend of mine, a huge, successfully business guy. He goes, Jeff, what are you planting right now that six months from now are gonna show up? Every single one of us at all of our campuses, you're planting something today. What are you planting? And what have you planted? And where have you planted yourself? What I mean by that is who are you planting yourself in front of and listening to? This is why one of the many reasons I love this church. You have from Annie and Kevin and uh, Dwan last week, I'm the exception, incredible communicators, okay? Incredible communicators. When you plant yourself, and not just communicators here, but in small groups, who you serve with, all that, it's just so important who you're planting yourself in front of because it's planting a seed. Here's the principle. Hey, teenagers, this is really true for all of us, but man, if somebody had told me this when I was 16, I would have really appreciated it. Here's the principle when it comes to planting. Who you listen to is a preview of the future you. Who you listen to is a preview of the future you. Who are you planting yourself in front of? And I'm telling you, I'm not trying to be critical. There are voices in this world that will tear you down if you plant yourself in front of them on a consistent basis. This is why getting involved in a church like this is a gift. It's a planting seed and process. So there's growing, there's planting, and then there's starting. <laughs> you gotta start. You gotta start with this small little seed you know, and we don't appreciate starting. You know why? Here's why. Maybe you know somebody that's done this. You know, they didn't, it's back to New Year's resolutions. They haven't worked out for a while. So you know what they're gonna do? On January the 1st, they're gonna work out for two hours, right? Ever heard anybody about this? They're gonna work out for two hours and make up for lost time. And the only thing that changes is the next day, they can't get out of bed. That's the only thing that has changed, okay? So we have an adverse reaction to starting because we wanna start big. That's not how this works. There's a great Old Testament principle in Zechariah that in essence says this, do not despise the days of humble beginnings. Here's another lesson I learned from the business world, a difference between promotions and movements. A promotion starts big and fades quickly a movement starts small and builds over time and builds effectively. The kingdom of Jesus started really, really small. In fact, the Roman Empire thought they snuffed it out on a Friday. They didn't know that they had just launched the greatest movement the world had ever seen. And that years later, if you and I were to go over to Rome today, walk into the Colosseum, there's a cross representing Jesus standing there. But that didn't happen overnight. And here's a principle, when it comes to change, big moves always start with small steps. Big moves always start with small steps. So if you're here today and you're like, Jeff, I've got this one area and I've tried and tried. Okay, let's start with a small step. Let's start with that prayer and let's start with this process. Start small, plant wisely and sow daily. Start small, plant wisely 
and be consistent. And so here's what I wanna do. I want you to carry this prayer. Holy Spirit, will you help me? And look, you're gonna say this prayer. I hope you say it in the morning when you get up, when your feet hit the ground. Holy Spirit, will you help me? And you might not see massive change. In fact, let me just be honest with you. I don't think you'll see massive change at the end of the day tomorrow. You know what you'll see? It'll look a little bit like this. It'll look like a mustard seed in your hand. I mean, look at, look at how small this thing is. That's two mustard seeds. When you pray this prayer, Holy Spirit, will you help me? That's what it's gonna look, at, look like in the morning. But over time, if you pray this prayer and you abide by this process and you give God something to bless and grow, here's what will it look like eventually. This is a mustard tree. Now, I know what many of you are thinking as I come to a close, as you look at this, you're like, Jeff, all right, I get all that, but I have a question, Jeff, and I've been thinking about this the whole time. Jeff, what happened to the turtle? Okay, I know, and that's what, that's, that's, you have, some of you have not been paying attention to me at all. I see your face, you're like, did you, what happened to the turtle? Okay, so let's go back to the turtle photo, right? The turtle is trying to get, trying to climb to a new level. And, um, and so there I am, I'm having a conversation with the turtle and I've been down and I'm like, hey buddy, I know exactly how you feel. And so I picked him up and I placed him on higher ground. This is a picture of that. And he went on, he's speaking at turtle conferences now. It's, it's phenomenal. I, he's got his own Instagram channel. It's amazing. I mean, God, you know, God bless him. It's, it's awesome. But here's why I say that. It's so, it's uncanny, but it's not uncanny. It's God. When you're trying to grow and you fall over on your back and you praying, Holy Spirit, will you help me? Guess what God does? He answers that prayer. And sometimes he answers it with inner strength and peace, but sometimes he answers it with you and me. Some of you in the building today, you're actually the answer to the prayer, Holy Spirit, will you help me? Let me say that again. Some of you are the answer to the prayer, Holy Spirit, will you help me? Yes, I will help you. I'm gonna send Jim. Will you call Jim? Yes, that community group. By the way, if you're not in a community group at Crosspoint, that's one of the reasons we do this here. You, many of you are the answer to that prayer. Another answer to this prayer is to spend time in God's word. And when you say, Holy Spirit, will you help me? He will answer that question. He might answer it through his inner strength. He may answer it through you and me. He may answer it through his word, but he wants you to grow not only for you, but for his own glory, because it is to the Father's glory that you bear much fruit. One of the ways I've seen this happen in my own life is through your pastor, Kevin Queen. Kevin and I knew each other uh, years before he was here, uh, years before you all stole him from me in Atlanta. And he was a pastor at 12 Stone and I was a pastor at Gwinnett Church. And uh, I was telling Cole this story yesterday on the way up, just, just love Kevin. And so there are so many times in my life when I'll just, I'll just reach a point where I'm, I'm one of those kale no moments. And I'm like, you know, I gotta call Kevin. And uh, I believe God answers prayer. I believe God answers all of our prayers. <laughs> but for whatever reason, I believe God really answers Kevin Queen's prayers. And so I'll call Kevin up and go, hey man, how you doing? 
And I know he knows this is coming. Hey, all right, that's awesome. Hey, how's Re doing? Give me an update on her. All right, hey, tell me about the kids. And Camden's going to Sanford. We love that. My kids went to Sanford. That's awesome. All right, tell me how Crosspoint is doing. I love Crosspoint. So we go through all that. And then I get to the point, I'm like, all right, man. Hey, can, can I tell you something? I, I need some help. Will you pray for me? I think I've just run out of my strength in this particular area. And we'll talk and it'll be awesome. And then we'll get to the end of that phone call and Kevin will do his Kevin clean prayer thing. And the Holy Spirit in Kevin connects with the Holy Spirit in me. And in that moment, I'm just able to take another step. Things don't all necessarily change, but something in me changes because in that moment, Holy Spirit, will you help me? Kevin Queen was the answer to that prayer. What would it look like, Crosspoint? This is your story, but what would it look like for you to continue to be an answer to that prayer for the people that you're sitting around? So here's how I wanna close today. I just wanna go, hey, let's give this a shot. I want us to practice this. <laughs> I want us to actually do it before we leave. What do I mean by I want us to do it before we leave? I want us to pray this prayer before we leave. So if you're okay, if you're able to do this, I'd love for you to stand up at all of our campuses, God behind bars, and I'm gonna say this prayer, Holy Spirit, will you help me? I'm gonna say, Holy Spirit, and if you, it's okay, you'll say, Holy Spirit, I'll say, will you help me? And you'll say, will you help me? I'm gonna do this a couple of times, and then I'm gonna pray for us. And I'm gonna pray that before you go to bed tonight, you would maybe write down that one area that you want to put in the crock pot. And you will go, Holy Spirit, tomorrow morning, will you help me? And you will give God something to bless and something to grow by abiding in the starting, planting, growing process of the mustard seed. And the next time I'm here, I'd love to hear what God has done through his power. So let's practice this together. Holy Spirit, will you help me? This time, if it's okay, will you just hold your hands out like this? Holy Spirit, will you help me? Father, these are your people declaring they need your help. Will you bring that one area to their heart and mind? And will you give them encouragement? Will you give them strength in the field and the platform of their lives? Thank you for planting the mustard seed of the power of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. And may you grow something that amazes them, strengthens them, encourages them, but most of all, glorifies you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Well, Crosspoint, I love you. Go have a great week. We'll see you next time. God bless you.